Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Tuesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Oh, 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 oh,
Yahuanavi, Eliyahu, Eliyahu, Eliyahuanavi, Eliyahu, Eliyahuanavi, 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 And I'm doing okay, and I'm here to bring Mashiach any day. Eliyahu, Eliyahu Anavi, Eliyahu Anavi. I said, oy vey, I forgot to buy wine. Eliyahu comes walking in. Four cups for me and one cup for him. Eliyahu, Eliyahu wanna be. Bishosh 
JM in the AM, Tuesday morning, Sphere of Format Tuesday. I thank you for tuning in. My name is Nachum Siegel. Hello, hello, hello. Donnie Gross and Shalom Aleichem. Yeshiva Boys had Ah Ah. Anavim was AKA Pella, Schlock Rock with Elio and Avi. Hashem Melech was the Y Studs. Ari Goldwag had Lo Nafsik. And that's brand new from my Capella Soul, volume number five. And Regesh. Modani uh, opening things up. As we say, good morning. JM and the AM, hello. It's Tuesday, first day of May, May the 1st of 2018. I believe we call that May Day, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, day 16 in the month of ER, the year 5778, Tavshinai and Ches. Today is day number 31 in the counting of the Omer, four weeks and three days. And I believe we are uh, closer and closer to Lagba Omer, which begins tomorrow night. That's right. Wednesday night is Lagba Omer. Thursday morning is our big Lagba Omer music blowout here at JM in the AM, which we always love. And I hope you'll join us. I really hope you'll join us. Because uh, Thursday morning, Lagba Omer, that's going to be quite a show. 47 degrees outside with sunshine and a high of 77. Now we're talking. Tonight, clear, low 60. Tomorrow, sunshine. High Wednesday, 85 degrees. Tomorrow should be Lagboom or weather-wise. Yeah, that's the way it's looking. Uh, Yerushalayim is at 79. We're at 47, going all the way up to 77 here in New York. You have to understand, if you're uh, not in the New York area, this is really, really exciting to uh, to hear the prediction that we are expecting a high of 77 and a low tonight of 60. That is a, uh, that's a big piece of news. That is a big piece of news because uh, we have not, we have not had what anybody would refer to as normal, decent, good weather in a very long time, at least those of us who are into the warm weather. What we consider to be good, normal, decent weather we have not had here in a very long time. So we're anticipating it. And I should really check, uh, just in terms of this area, I don't know what's doing in your area around the globe, but in this area, I'd have to check uh, just to see what we are expecting on um. Oh, on Log Bomer, we're expecting really good weather. We're expecting partly cloudy, 86. All right, very good. So we don't need to save tomorrow's weather for Thursday. Looks like Thursday has a good weather in and of itself. All right, Baruch Hashem. 27 minutes before 7 o'clock. Good morning on a Tuesday. Yeshiva League sports update. Less than an hour away. Uh, amazing guests this morning. Jake Novak's going to join us. Dean Michael Strauss is going to join us. Rabbi Shlomo Einhorn is going to join us. One of the rabbinic stars of the United States, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they're all going to be a part of today's broadcast on this May the 1st, on this Tuesday here at JM in the AM. All right, keep it right here. We've got plenty more coming up. Plenty more coming up um, in an acapella and an acapella Sphera format Tuesday at JM in the AM. Shimonikra, 
Yeah. 
J.M. in the A.M. on a Tuesday, May 1st, the 16th of E.R., day 31 in the counting of the Omer. Avrami Flam with Al Naros Bavel and Imesh Gachech. He heard Schar Mitzvah done by Ari Goldwag, a.k.a. Pella, had Vihisha Amda and Adon Alam, Dani Gross and Shalom here at J.M. in the A.M. It is um, it's a Tuesday reminding you that our uh, big fundraiser is uh, around the corner. Those of you out there who would like to support and continue to support JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. It is called the uh, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. You go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and give as generously as you can, and we greatly appreciate that. Lots of exciting upcoming things going on. Don't forget this coming Thursday, it's Lagba Omer. You know what that means. All the music you've been waiting for for the last couple of weeks finally gets on our show, <laughs> and you get to enjoy some amazing selections. Uh, the Jewish Music Lagba Omer special starts at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. We'll likely have a, a really solid bonus JM before that in the 5 o'clock hour Thursday morning. And, of course, the live lunch will be dominated by great music as well between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern Time. So we highly recommend every single day you'll leave it on the Nachum Siegel Network all day long. But Thursday, Lagba Omer, make sure you do so. Don't forget the friends of the Jewish of the Jerusalem College of Technology gathered together this coming Monday night at Lincoln Square Synagogue in New York City. That's when Mayim Bialik is the special keynote speaker at the JCT event. If you go to the web, search American Friends Jerusalem College of Technology, you can get your reservation in and join us this coming Sunday night at Lincoln Square Synagogue. We are looking forward to it. It's going to be quite an event, and already, as you heard yesterday, if you were tuned in, they have surpassed uh, any expectations. A lot of people out there want to come out and support one of the key elements of the state of Israel, and that is their technological development and all the wonderful things that are happening at JCT uh, in Jerusalem. So hope to see you there, Bezrat Hashem, on uh, Sunday night. Also remember that on um, Monday, this broadcast will um, be on as usual, but then we will also be rejoining you at 11.30 Eastern Time when the Nachum Siegel Network and American Friends of Bar Ilan University present a live broadcast event. Malcolm Honline is um, the 2018 Honorary Doctoral Recipient at Bar Ilan. He'll be delivering a lecture to launch the brand new Impact Center for the Study of Judaism in Israel and North America. We'll broadcast the entire thing on our network starting at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time and then feature an assortment of star professors and researchers from Bar Ilan the show will go till about 2 o'clock, so it'll be a very, very exciting Monday coming up live from Israel with us here at the Nahum Siegel Network. There is so much happening. Yesterday we broke in to our network uh, um, uh, schedule in order to bring you Prime Minister Netanyahu's speech 
uh, yesterday. And uh, that, of course, dominating the news. We'll talk more about it later on when Jake Novak joins us here at JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com. On the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. In the background, it's Galei Tzal. We'll do our news from Israel coming up and plenty more, including Yeshiva League Sports Update 20 minutes from now. Galei Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next at JM in the AM. גלי צהל השעה שתיים, כנהוד גרף עם מה שקורה עכשיו. גורם מדיני בכיר מודה שבנאומו של ראש הממשלה נתניהו אתמול לא היו הוכחות של ממש לכך שאיראן הפרה את הסכם הגרעין שנחתם עם המעצמות לפני שלוש שנים. כתבתנו המדינית, אלעיל שחר. לדברי אותו גורם הראיות שהציג אתמול ראש הממשלה מוכיחות מעבר לכל ספק שאיראן שיקרה לפני ההסכם, ובסבירות גבוהה הקהילה הבינלאומית לא הייתה נכנסת להסכם. אם הראיות שהביא המוסד היו מונחות לפניה. בסוף השבוע הקרוב יגיעו נציגים מבריטניה, צרפת וגרמניה לעיין בחומרי המודיעין. ישראל הזמינה גם את רוסיה, סין והסוכנות הבינלאומית לעיניית לעשות זאת. וראש הממשלה בנימין נתניהו אמר לפני זמן קצר בריאיון לרשת פוקס האמריקנית, ישראל מחזיקה במידע מאז חודש פברואר. ישראל הבטיחה את האינפורמציה בפברואר. הייתי עם הפרזידנט במרץ, פרזידנט טראמפ. הייתי לו מה שיש לנו. הייתי אמרתי שאנחנו נעשה את כל האינפורמציה לארץ, שעשינו. הרשימה הייתה פרוגרם נוקלאים, והם פגשתי את נשיא ארצות הברית טראמפ במארס. תיארתי לו את הממצאים ואמרתי שנעביר אותם לארצות הברית. המשטר האיראני מחזיק בתוכנית גרעינית סודית ומנסה לבנות מאגר גרעיני באמצעות ההסכם הרע הזה. דברי נתניהו. השר לביטחון פנים גלעד ארדן קורא לפתוח מחדש את חקירת השב"כ והמשטרה על אירוע אום אל-חירן לאחר שהפרקליטות סגרה את התיק נגד השוטרים המעורבים. כתבתנו מוריה אסרף. פרקליט המדינה קבע הבוקר כי השוטרים שירו לעברו של תושב אום אל-חירן אבו אל-קיאן לא חשודים בפלילים. השר לביטחון פנים גלעד ארדן בירך על ההחלטה כי השוטרים אכן פעלו בתחושה של סכנת חיים המצדיקה שימוש בנשק. עוד הוסיף השר ארדן כי כעת יש לחדש את חקירת השב"כ בקשר לנסיבות האירוע בעת פינוי היישוב אום אל-חירן בינואר בשנה שעברה ולא להשאירו כפצע פתוח בחברה הישראלית. נורית קנטי שוחחה עם אחמד, אחיו של יעקוב אבו אל-קיאן, שנורה למוות על ידי השוטרים באירוע. אח שלי נקי לחלוטין, ואנחנו יודעים שהגיעה אלינו החלטה מתוך המשטרה, שהוא נקי מזה, אבל הם ממשיכים בשביל לערפל בתקשורת. ומראה דבר אחד, שהדם של הערבי הוא זול. תושב אור יהודה חשוד באונס צעירה, כתבתנו פיי גוטמן. על פי החשד, השניים נפגשו ביוזמת החשוד, שניהל בעבר מערכת יחסים עם אחותה של הקורבן. הוא אסף אותה ברכבו וביקש ממנה לעלות לדירה שלו, שם לדבריה אנס אותה. עם הגשת התלונה במשטרה נעצר החשוד, בן 26, והובא לחקירה. מעצרו הוארך הבוקר בבית משפט השלום בתל אביב עד מחר. רשות הטבע והגנים תובעת את החברה שזיהמה את נחל האשלים ודורשת תשלום פיצויים בסך כ-400 מיליון שקלים. כתבנו גל חן. החברה רותם אמפרט נגב אחראית לדליפה של מי גבס חומציים לנחל אשלים בנגב ב-2017 ולגרימת אסון אקולוגי מהגדולים שידעה ישראל. היום רשות הטבע והגנים מבקשת להגיש תביעה ייצוגית נגד רותם בגין הדליפה והמלצת המשרד להגנת הסביבה תדרוש פיצויים בסך 397 מיליון שקלים. 
התחזית חם מהרגיל ואף שרבי. עם זאת, ייתכנו גשמים מקומיים. שימו לב, קיים חשש משיטפונות בנחלי הדרום. אלה החדשות שעורך דן דובין. בחסות מרוץ האופניים
J.M. in the A.M. Barry Weber had Imam Marthi and Anna Bakoach before that, and he had Yushalayim in that mix as well. Uh, A.K.A. Pelo with Eitzchayim, Adonalama, that set was started with Cole Ish from the album entitled Before Eve here at J.M. in the A.M. Good morning, it's Tuesday, May the 1st, the 16th of ER, day 31 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, you know what? Make sure you count some time today, four weeks and three days, the count of the Omer, four weeks and three days. 
Uh, anybody out there would like to comment on our app? Your comments are, of course, welcome. Listener Terry wants to know if we can get Alal to have NSN as an option on their audio channel so she doesn't miss the Logbo Omer special on Thursday morning. That's a good suggestion. Yeah, let me know if you have any uh, any way to ha- to get that to happen. Wouldn't mind it at all. 47 degrees, sunshine here in New York with a high of 77. Yeah, we're finally getting some good numbers out there. Coming up later on, we'll speak with uh, Jake Novak. He is the uh, host of Novak Now here at the Nahum Siegel Network at uh, 11 a.m. every single Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And we'll get his impressions later on about the uh, revelations yesterday by the Prime Minister of Israel publicly accusing the country of Iran of being liars, or at least the government of Iran, of uh, being liars in reference to the uh, Iran deal and um, in reference to the realities that Israel has discovered based on its intelligence and its covert operations. So he'll join us later on to discuss all of that here at JM and the AM. Uh, Yeshiva League sports update. Yeah, it's the month of May, and yet Elliot Weiselberg is still hard at work. The man never gets a day off or a week off. It's amazing. Elliot Weiselberg is still hard at work putting together our Yeshiva League sports update every Tuesday morning at 7.20 Eastern time, and I thank him for that. Not an easy task, I'll tell you that much. Not easy at all. And a special shout-out to uh, Mike Feller and everybody at Crown Trophy. As the uh, seasons wind down, the champions will be hoisting Crown Trophies over their heads in recognition of their great accomplishments. So a big shout-out to Crown Trophy of Brooklyn from all of us here at the JM in the AM. It's time for our Yeshiva League Sports Update on this Tuesday. Elliot Weiselberg has the full report now at JM in the AM. Thanks, Nachum. We've finally hit the month of May, and as the Omer counts us closer to Shavuot, each passing day brings us one step closer to the spring season playoffs. Today on the Tuesday morning JM the AM Sports Update, a girls varsity hockey championship rematch tonight in Teaneck. MTA and Ramaz will play two to determine boys varsity soccer's central division. And no lion, Solomon Schechter makes a push for the postseason in boys volleyball. All that and more straight ahead. Good morning, I'm Elliot Weiselberg. The Solomon Schechter Lions had a 2017 boys volleyball season to forget. Going 1-7 last year, their only win over winless YDE, it may have come as a bit of a surprise when the Lions came into 2018 winning two of their first three contests. Over the last two weeks, however, Schechter has demolished all previous expectation and inserted themselves as serious contenders to earn a spot in the 2018 postseason. Since the three-set loss to undefeated Hafter right out of the Pesach break, the Lions have rolled off three straight victories, a five-set marathon to Mag and David, and three-set sweeps of North Shore and Flatbush. At 5-2, and two, the Lions currently sit in second place of 11 teams, only four of which will make the postseason. More importantly, six teams presently sit within one loss of the Lions, but Schechter has the benefit of having played more games and hold tied break advantages over three of those teams by virtue of their winning streak. 
The Lions will cap off their regular season this Thursday night against SAR. A win over the Sting will make it very likely that Solomon Schechter will find their way to the boys' volleyball postseason. In other action, Frisch climbed back to the 500 mark at 2-2, two two, dropping Mag and David in the Warriors' third five-set match this season. Girls softball is nearing the halfway point, and thus far for the Central Wildcats, it's been relatively easy going. This past Thursday, Central picked up their third win of the season, 5-0 over the Hank Hurricanes. In the three games that they've played prior to last night's contest with North Shore, all wins, Central has outscored their opponents 27-1. This Friday, however, will be their chance to rack up an important win when they square off with last year's Eastern Division champion, the SKA Sonics. SKA currently sits at 1-0 and will play play Hank prior to their meetup with Central tomorrow night. Across the river, a familiar name sits atop the board as Maya Note remains the only undefeated team at 2-0, having knocked off SAR and Hillel in the past week, 6-4 and 6-0 respectively. Boys Varsity Soccer is shaping up for an epic showdown to decide the Central Division as MTA and Ramaz gear up the battle not once, but twice over the coming week and a half. Both the Lions and Rams sit atop the division with undefeated records. MTA at 5-0 after a 15-8 win last Monday night over SAR, and Ramaz at 6-0 following a 1-0 shutout of YDE on Wednesday night. MTA still has one more game against SAR tonight. However, should the Lions win, both they and Ramaz will be 6-0 going into their last two games of the season for both of them, a home-and-home home with each other. The two will square off Thursday night in MTA and follow that up next Wednesday in Ramaz to determine who walks away with the Central Division crown. In other contests, the Hank Hurricanes threw a wrench into the plans of the DRS Wildcats to run away with the East, dropping the Wildcats in overtime 3-2. Finally, girls varsity hockey will see the top two Western Division teams square off tonight as the 6-0 Kusher Cobras travel to Teaneck to meet up with the 4-1 Mayanot Rapids. The last time these two met was in last year's championship game, a 2-0 Cobra victory. Both teams squared off with the Frisch Cougars in their last contests, both walking away with victories. For Maya Note, it was a 2-1 win, the fourth contest in five games that they've yielded one goal or less. For Kushner, a 1-0 victory, the game winner by senior Olivia Lefkowitz in the final two minutes of the game, and Kushner's fourth straight shutout. And that was your Tuesday morning, Jame, the AM Sports Update. I'm Elliot Weiselberg. I asked the man, I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be a minion around. But one of us passed away and we've been feeling down. Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found. Won't you stay with us for Shabbos, Minion Man? I stepped off the bus in Mobile, Alabama. The sun was slowly setting on the bay. It was six o'clock on a summer Friday afternoon. Shabbos. Shabbos is no time to be feeling blue. And then I saw a man who looked the same way too. I was quite relieved to find the fellow Jew. I asked the man, I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be. 
Shabbos was carried on a song. Whoa, I asked the man, I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be a million around. But one of us passed away and we've been feeling down. Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found. Won't you stay? For Shabbos Minion Man. Oh, won't you stay with us for Shabbos Minion Man? Please, won't you stay with us for Shabbos Minion Man? JM in the AM, Schlock with Lenny Solomon and company from Schlock Rock in a uh, Sphere of Format Tuesday here at JM in the AM. By the way, our friends from Simply Tzvat made contact with us. They are doing their summer USA tour. It's going to start June the 15th. Uh, oh, they'll actually be, they'll actually be um, in Boulder, Colorado on June the 14th. Then in Los Angeles, uh, Matzah Shabbos, the 16th of June. Back to Denver, back to Harrisburg. They'll be in Borough Park that week. They'll be in Borough Park, it looks like, on Tuesday the 19th of June. Then Boston, Buffalo, and Chattaqua, New York. Where's Chattaqua? So our friends from Simply Spot are getting ready for their tour 
uh, in from Israel, and that'll begin in uh, on the West Coast or in the West Coast area on the 15th, on the 14th of June, on the 14th of June, and head east. We'll try to remind you certainly about the uh, Brooklyn concert before it takes place. We'll speak to Dean Michael Strauss, Cy Sims School of uh, Business, coming up in just a moment. Important information about one of their programs that's going on. Oh, by the way, a big shout-out to our friends at Norman's Yogurt. A big shout-out to our friends at Norman's Yogurt. A week from tomorrow, we're going to be at Wesley Kosher, and we have, uh, which is uh, up in Muncie. And we have some amazing sponsors of that show coming up, the Pre-Shvua Show. Uh, we have a One Tabletop. They're going to be sponsoring the broadcast. Lilac and Cream are going to be spe- uh, sponsoring the broadcast. There'll be a special demo with uh, Aussie Gourmet, our very own Naomi Nachman. And Norman's Yogurt is also going to be sponsoring the broadcast as we get closer and closer to Shvuas. They are an amazing choice for a yogurt, and I just want to call your attention to their Greek IQ yogurt, which is squeezable and smart. It comes in four varieties, smart strawberry, virtuoso vanilla, brilliant blueberry, <laughs> and banana berry. Check it out, Greek IQ yogurt from Norman's. It's a Hall of Israel product. We'll talk more about it as we get closer to that big show next week that we're going to be doing at Wesley Kosher up in Muncie, New York. JM in the AM, Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas Arav Zevnavosov Alevi, and Zechonishmas Esther Basavosov Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. It says in Koheles, Kimia Sheyivchar Yechubar al Kolachayim, one who is attached to all the living, has hope. A live dog better than a dead lion. This means that even Shlomo HaMelech, once he was passing from this world, could no longer rectify, whereas as long as any individual is alive, he can be masakin, he can rectify even those averos, those sins which were already committed. There were two students of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. They were very strong in Avodah Hashem, and they reached elevated levels of spirituality. Nevertheless, they were afraid that the din and shamayim, because they were apprehensive, that perhaps when serving Hashem, they were a little bit less in their avodas Hashem than they should have been. When they both reached 70, they agreed that whoever would come first to the next world would appear to his friend in a chalom, in a dream, to tell him how the judgment day went. In that way, the friend who was still alive would be able to rectify his maizim, his deeds accordingly. After a while, one of them passed on from this world. The friend on earth waited, but his friend didn't come to him in a dream. Finally, after 11 months, the nifter, the one who was deceased appeared in a dream. Why didn't you come until today, he was asked. The one who passed on answered, Until now, I couldn't, because in Shemayim, they were osek, they were involved in my judgment. This was a person who was a tzaddik v'kadosh, completely righteous. In Shemayim, every single moment is used, and we understand that all of our lives have to be lived according to Torah because we are here for a particular purpose. We are here for a reason. It is interesting to note 
that although an individual has many days on this earth, each of them are counted. That is the lesson of Sfiros HaOmer, that every single day counts. Every single day is part of the sum total. There was an individual that had a calendar. On some of the calendar dates, he would write in that particular box for that day a small mitzvah or a Devar Torah that he had thought of. On some of the other days, they were left blank. At the end of the year, he wanted to throw out the calendar, but he remembered those days which he had written on them a Devar Torah or a mitzvah. Those days he could not throw out. Those days had to continue on with him. And so too, every day when a person does a mitzvah, when they learn Torah, those days will be with him or her forever. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a nice day. J.M. and A.M. Tuesday on day 31 in the counting of the Omer. That's 31. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. It's a J.M. and the A.M. Tuesday broadcast with a reminder that Lagba Omer is Thursday. There is nothing that comes close to our incredible Lagba Omer celebration show, so make sure Tuesday morning, excuse me, make sure Thursday morning, uh, you're tuned in and you get ready to uh, to really enjoy the return to our regular music format here at JM in the AM. Well, you may recall back around the Kosher Halftime Show time in February, we spoke to uh, Dean Michael Strauss from the Sy Sim School of Business, Yeshiva University. And the message was really simple, and this is really for um, uh, for those of you who are thinking of an MBA program or thinking uh, or who knows somebody, maybe a parent of somebody, of a student or potential student who is considering an MBA program. Uh, if, you, if, you, um, if you go ahead and... Uh, Speak to the folks at Yeshiva University. You could earn your EMBA, your executive MBA, on Sunday, which is a rarity and a tremendous service to our community, frankly. Dean Michael Strauss, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you very, very much. I'm delighted to be here. It's always a pleasure. I feel like it's part of my family. Good morning. <laughs> we, we appreciate that, and we certainly consider you part of our family. Uh, good morning to you. So this is, I mean, you know, getting cutting to the chase, so to speak, uh, Yeshiva University is providing an amazing service for people in our community because it is almost impossible, if I remember the way you described it months ago, it is almost impossible to find an EMBA program that is Shabbos friendly. Am I right? I don't think it's almost impossible. It is impossible, uh, <laughs> especially especially in the New York area. Uh, we've done a lot of research uh, five, six years ago when we uh, started thinking about an executive MBA program and came to the conclusion that uh, clearly for our community, and by the way, and we'll chat about it a little bit, uh, beyond our community, but specifically for our community, right. uh, the traditional Saturday M- uh, EMBA that prevails in New York at Pace University in Baruch and some of the others, Columbia, NYU, uh, just doesn't doesn't work for us. So we embarked five years ago on a uh, on an EMBA program, and not only a Sunday program, uh, but we felt that uh, as we did the research that we want to uh, uh, make it more of a uh, uh, general uh, type of a program which focuses uh, more skill-based uh, and concentrates really on helping graduates to be uh, to be able to create and really run their own businesses. Uh, 
you know, the, the talkless, uh, specifically right. to develop a business plan, a budget, marketing plan, promotion plan, etc., etc., uh, learn about uh, initial public offerings, investment offers, and uh, so we, we embarked on it. Uh, we also uh, wanted to uh, uh, make sure that the cohorts, a very small group of people, so uh, we, uh, we kind of uh, limited the number of students uh, in this program. Uh, to 15, 16, 17, no more. That gives, uh, that gives us a very, very uh, close relationship with the students, gives the students a great relationship uh, with the professors. Uh, additionally, what we did, unlike any, any of the other ones, uh, at least in New York, uh, rather than uh, uh, having adjuncts, which is normally what most Sunday uh, EMBA programs have, mm. these are adjuncts uh, uh, defined as individuals who are, you know, well, you know, well-respected, yet uh, they just teach one course. So they really don't have a, a, uh, a relationship or tie-in uh, with the organization other than they go there and they do the best job they can and they get a, a paycheck. Uh, what we did is we identified uh, and we asked our most senior uh, uh, faculty members, highly uh, researched, tenured uh, so we have, quite frankly, uh, uh, we have, uh, you know, the chair of marketing, teaching, teaching marketing, the chair of our finance. She, by the way, is a Columbia graduate and I'm ranked 18th worldwide in her consumer behavior uh, research. Uh, the, uh, the chair of finance, who is a Princeton graduate, uh, yours truly teaching entrepreneurship. So uh, we have made sure that uh, the... Classes are taught by uh, senior, highly experienced, highly researched uh, faculty. So it, it, uh, it turned out to be a very, very uh, uh, good program, and we are uh, aggressively marketing for the next cohort starting uh, this coming fall. Uh, Mike, uh, Dean Michael Strauss is with us talking about the EMBA program at OYU. All right, a couple of details. Number one, I assume it's open to both men and women. Am I right? Absolutely. Graduate uh, the you know the only as as, as I think you and your audience know undergraduate obviously men and women are uh, uh, separate but uh, graduate programs they're all uh, co-ed at Sundays it's three Sundays a month uh, which gives them the fourth Sunday uh, free and uh, not only co-ed but as I said earlier uh, while obviously the focus is on our community. Uh, we find that there are many people out there, uh, not even whether they're religious or not, but not even uh, of our faith, who for whatever reason either work on Saturday right. or have other plans on Saturday and find, uh, and find, and find a Sunday much more uh, appropriate for them to take. So we've, we've had doctors uh, from Einstein, uh, lawyers from Cardozo and others, so we have a good mix, good mix of people uh, in the room, men and women. Uh, now, what are the prerequisites? Can a college graduate get to an EMBA program? Must you have a uh, MBA to get into a program like this? No. How does it work? Well, you got an MBA. I mean, the EMBA is just the, the degree. Quite frankly, is an MBA degree. An MBA just takes two years rather than a concentrated one year got it. Uh, off the job. It gives the uh, people an opportunity to continue to work while getting their degree. But the, uh, uh, the uh, prerequisites is at least two, three years uh, in business. I think uh, if you look at any of uh, the requirements of any MBA, full MBA or EMBA, uh, the good schools uh, basically uh, do not uh, take in any people who come right out of, uh, uh, right out of school, undergraduate school, the reason being that uh, 
they get uh, if they go out there to to the working world, you know, the business world, and have at least two three years experience, uh, they become much more well rounded, and I think uh, they get much more and appreciate much more because it's you know it's it's, it's a rigorous program. Uh, it's it's not for the faint, as I say. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's a rigorous program. Uh, but again, we work very, very closely uh, with the uh, uh, people, with the students, uh, during, and by the way, during their time here and uh, continuing for. That's one of the uniqueness about Yeshiva University and Science Sims. Uh, we work with them, we try. Some of them, uh, there are many reasons why uh, these uh, students uh, choose to come to an EMBA program. Some of them, uh, because clearly they want to uh, grow within their own organizations. Some of them, because they want to learn uh, how to launch their own business. Mm-hmm. And some of them, quite frankly, because they feel that with that additional knowledge, it gives them a, uh, a jumping board uh, to another organization. Right. So we work with them. I work with them, you know, with my business background. I work with them. I try to help them uh, off. You know, we work with them offline, not only in class. We help them through our career center, introduce them to alumni, as you know, one of the greatest assets uh, that this university has. Is it's uh, a wonderful alumni uh, network that uh, has uh, is uh, you know and and very very involved in in uh, senior senior positions in many large corporations and their own businesses etc. And uh, when all things being equal, they would help uh, our own as opposed to somebody else. Yeah, you know, one thing you can guarantee is that the networking possibilities are endless. Endless is, is, is the correct word. I agree. So everybody out there, especially the parents who you know try to influence their kids to go into these goal-driven programs and you know get advanced degrees and you know put another notch in their belt, so to speak, they should realize that this, there's a tremendous value uh, to quote unquote graduating from this program and from getting a degree like this. I, I mean, it's you know the, I agree. Uh, I agree. Obviously, uh, the the again, I'm I know I'm being slightly repetitive. Repetitive. Uh, but I really want to emphasize the fact that uh, the group is such a small group mm-hmm. that uh, it gives us the ability to work very closely with them and get to understand them. Because, you know, when you have 15 people in the room, uh, you have this 15 different people, different personalities, different backgrounds, different strengths, different weaknesses. And uh, we get to know them pretty well, and they get to know us pretty well. When you have 50, 60, 70, as most other programs have, uh, you know, they're a number. They're not a person. Right. Uh, we don't get to know them as well, and uh, therefore you can't really help them as much as, as we can. All right, Dean Strauss, if someone wants to start this in the fall, they got to contact you now, am I right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we're in the process, uh, deep in the process of, uh, of reviewing, reviewing applications and uh, of, uh, in the process of, uh, of interviewing people. I'm interviewing two people tomorrow, quite frankly. So, yes, uh, the... Uh, Program, uh, we want to make uh, we want to make a decision, a final decision by if we can by June by June one. Obviously, if uh, that date slips a little bit, but at least our target date is uh, is June one. All right, the website, everybody, yu.edu/sims for the size Sims School of Business. That's s y m s slash e m b a. Again, that's yu.edu/sims/em. BA, as far as we know, the only real executive MBA program that is tailored to the Shomer Shabbos student. And it happens at Yeshiva University, begins again in the fall. And as Dean Michael Strauss emphasized, it is really a tremendous opportunity for the right people out there 
and he'd love to hear from you if you want to pursue this. One uh, more thing, if sure. I may, Nachum, uh, uh, is the uh, the cost. Obviously, uh, we're all uh, we all want to know what the cost is. Uh, we have uh, we have priced it uh, the lowest uh, really here in the metropolitan area. It's sixty nine thousand dollars two years, all inclusive. It includes books, includes breakfast, includes lunch, includes uh, two trips, one to Israel, and one. Uh, the second one is a New York residency, residency program. So basically, no out-of-pocket cost. Uh, once you get into the classroom, there's no additional costs. Uh, and 69, if you if you check, I think, and I'm not sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure if you check pace, it's 99. I'm not even going to go into uh, NYU Stern and Columbia. They're in the 130, 140,000 dollar category. Uh, what happens on that trip to Israel? I'm just curious. Like that, how's that part of the curriculum? Well, it's uh, well. W- w- what we do is we do a summer. The first uh, summer, not 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 this summer, because of course the right. um, COVID will start next. It was so, next uh, in the fall, so it'll be the following summer. It's a 10 day trip uh, that uh, we work with uh, the local uh, technology uh, uh, companies and it's a uh, we work with a local company and basically the students uh, learn about uh, the uh, uh, you know the innovation technology ecosystem uh, in uh, Israel so you, so essentially if, if you have a student that has an interest in making their future in Israel it's also a tremendous advantage for them Absolutely. Well, the future in Israel, or just spent, you know, spent yeah. two, three years working in Israel. Absolutely, we uh, we introduce them. Look, as I think, uh, as I know, you know, but um, I'm not sure our, uh, the uh, the audience uh, knows. But we have seven thousand uh, yeshiva university uh, graduates who made Aliyah. We're living in Israel. Seven thousand. Unbelievable. <laughs> and it's a, and and many of them, many of them are doing extremely, extremely well. Uh, they're very much involved in various businesses, primarily uh, um, in the, um, in, as VC, venture capitalists, uh, startup companies, etc. So uh, we, uh, we open doors for them, uh, in, not only in the United States, but in Israel with our alumni uh, group. Pretty amazing. All right, everybody out there, you heard it, and parents and others who uh, know people that uh, know younger people who uh, might be interested in this program, it's a wonderful opportunity. Take advantage. It's an opportunity to earn an EMBA, an executive MBA, but doing it on Sunday so that the Shomer Shabbos student uh, is accommodated. Go to yu.edu slash sims slash EMBA. That's yu.edu slash sims slash EMBA. And you, Dean Michael Strauss, have never hesitated to uh, invite people to call you directly to speak about this uh, off the air, so to speak. Not, not, not at all. In fact, uh, if uh, the audience has a pencil and paper or has their, uh, uh, their smartphone available, <laughs> my cell phone is 516-359-9059. As I always say, uh, other than Shabbos, feel free to give me a call in the evening, uh, Sundays, uh, if I can... Uh, Help anybody answer questions or whatever yourselves or your sons and daughters. I'll be more than happy to do so. Dean Strauss, uh, thanks for bringing this to our attention again. It's really a great program. I hope a lot of people take advantage of it. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. And thank you for the opportunity. All the best. Have a good day. Tuesday morning broadcast. Plenty more coming up if you keep it right here at JM in the AM. I need me in a go over him. 
If I 
Shabbatam Pune Arim Mimishen Eginatam Oh, boy. 
Tuesday morning on this day 31 in the counting of the Omer. couple of reminders this coming Monday, this coming Monday, the Nahum Siegel Network turns into live coverage of a really, really beautiful event. This coming Monday in Israel, um, the American Friends of Bar Ilan University presents a live broadcast event with Malcolm Honline. Malcolm is going to be receiving the 2018 honorary doctoral, uh, he'll be the recipient of the 2018 honorary doctoral. And we'll be delivering a lecture to launch the new Impact Center for the Study of Judaism in Israel and North America. This is all happening at Bar Ilan University in Israel, and we cover it here at the Nahum Siegel Network starting at 11.30 uh, a.m. this coming Monday. Uh, the broadcast will feature, obviously, the speech, and then after Malcolm finishes, an assortment of all-star professors and researchers from Bar Ilan are going to be joining us. We'll be on until 2 o'clock Eastern time on Monday. So a very Monday in general... Very diverse and very big for us at the Nahum Siegel Network. This Monday especially, uh, that'll be on from 11.30 until 2 p.m. live from Israel. Also, a big shout-out to our friends, uh, actually to three friends, um, all of whom are sponsoring our broadcast from Wesley Kosher. We're going to be up in Muncie for a live lunch on Wednesday of next week. We're essentially calling it a pre-Shvuis live lunch, even though Shvuis is not till the week after. <laughs> but we are calling it a pre-Shvuis Live lunch. We'll be at Wesley Kosher in Muncie for a live lunch on the 9th of May, which is a week from tomorrow. Yeah, a week from tomorrow. So a big thank you to One Tabletop. One Tabletop is one of our sponsors. A big thank you to Lilac and Cream. They are a sponsor. And a big thank you to Norman's Yogurt. Norman's Yogurt is now the official yogurt of Shavuos for all of our listeners because they are also sponsoring our broadcast that day. And those of you who are up at Wesley Kosher or in the Muncie area, come by and say hi. Last time we were up there, we got a great crowd. Uh, Naomi Nachman is going to be with us, which means the crowd will be even bigger. She'll be doing a demonstration. So make sure to be uh, with us up in Muncie next Wednesday for what we are calling our quote-unquote <laughs> pre-Shvuis uh, visit to Muncie. Well, Jake Novak, who is um, host of Novak Now on the Nahum Siegel Network every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. He is, of course, a great political and economic um, a correspondent, commentator, etc. And he is with us live via telephone. As we know, yesterday was a big day when it comes to um, the Iran deal and its future. And he's here to discuss that and many other things. Jake Novak, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thanks for having me. But you made me hungry now with all these promos for food events. I can't eat for another. I just had breakfast. I won't be able to eat for another five hours. You're in, a lot. You're invited to join us. Okay. <laughs> if, you right. can, if you can't resist, you get in the car and you join us. Yeah. Oh my God. So you know, it's funny. Yesterday we broke in. We we played BB Speech live for everybody on the network, and obviously had our chance to give the layman's you know analysis of what we thought. And and you know, I started piecing things together uh, on the air after it was over. For instance, uh, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that Macron's visit was so dominated by the Iran deal. Um, you know, I don't think it was a coincidence that, according to what Jacob Kornblue told us yesterday on the air, it is rare that the media is informed of phone conversations between President Trump and Prime Minister Netanyahu, and they made a very big deal to make sure everyone knew that on Saturday they had spoken by telephone. 
Uh, and I guess that all of the, I mean, it's no secret now, unless you, you know, uh, unless you just think I'm a great, I'm a great, uh, you know, conspiracy theory guy. It's no secret that all of this was a setup because all of them, meaning the the important world leaders on this issue, knew what was coming down the bike. Yeah, I mean, to reverse the strong persuasion game that was played by the pro-Iran deal forces, uh, the people who really want to revisit this deal to really either radically change it or have us exit the deal needed to get everyone's attention. The biggest challenge of anyone trying to persuade the public is to first get their attention. Now, if you're not the president of the United States, you don't necessarily get their attention. So if President Trump wasn't going to specifically talk about it, and he has in the past, but never for longer periods of time other than at a rally or to make a single tweet, then you don't know if people are going to be paying attention. And, you know, this, again, was something that was used by the pro-Iran deal forces. And I mentioned this on my show yesterday, uh, you know, on Novak Now yesterday, that when President Obama first presented the real selling of the Iran deal to the American people in April of 2015, he did it during a middle-of-the-day news, bre- uh, news break that wasn't just carried by the cable networks. He made sure that the, ne- the, the regular broadcast networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, broke into their talk shows or soap operas or what have you to have him announce it. So this is absolutely, you're absolutely right. The setup for this had to be, let's get everyone's attention first. Let's get several days of attention for this. Let's make sure the Macron-Trump summit is really focused on this and the reporting on it is focused on this. And then let's make sure we get this story out that Netanyahu had spoken to President Trump over the weekend about it. So all of that had to be a setup. Otherwise, people I don't think would have paid much attention, and you can't persuade people if they're not watching. Right, and uh, you know, just like Bibi does by presenting the speech, in prime time in uh, in Israel, which he does, you know, to grab the nation's attention there, yeah. I was frankly shocked <laughs> that he didn't go for a 3 a.m. <laughs> presentation so he would get prime time here, frankly, yeah. <laughs> because it looked like it was more important that the Americans hear it than the Israelis hear it. You know, I think American prime time for the evening is not what it used to be. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think that during the middle of the day, breaking in to broadcast, and, and even you did that, is now has almost as much impact, if not more impact, than some of these primetime shows. Because what's happened in American television news is the cable news networks now in primetime just go all opinion all the time after 6 p.m. And that means that if you're really looking for breaking news, just just the news, I don't want to hear anyone's take on it, uh, you may not find it uh, uh, on your cable box. So I think that there is a, there's a good argument to be made, hey, do it at 1 p.m. Especially, and also all the markets are still open. And then you get the financial news folks who might be a little bit more inclined to to be on your side if you're Netanyahu on this one, uh, to, to watch as well. So I think that there may have been some calculation there as well. Interesting. Jake Novak is with us. You know, the Times today, and the Times meaning the New York Times, and I don't like referring to them, obviously, but they're a newspaper of record, so it's interesting to see, you know, what they have to report, etc. So one of the things in this whole analysis of Macron and Merkel and their, you know, contribution to this, uh, you know, pre-Netanyahu announcement thing they claim that Macron and Merkel both have gone to the White House, I'm quoting now, to make the case that the U.S. was more secure with the Iran deal than without it. Would you say it's an accurate portrayal of what Macron actually said? Uh, I'd say it's probably an accurate portrayal of what they said, it's, but, what they, but what they said isn't true. You know, I don't know what part of the escalated wars in Syria, Yemen, and the emboldening of, emboldening of Hamas and the increased power of Hezbollah, these people have missed. Since the Iran deal was signed, there has been more war in the Middle East by a factor, by a great factor. We had, unfortunately, about 140,000 total deaths, for example, in the war in Iraq. 
We're way over half a million in Syria alone, a huge number of that just in the last three years since the Iran deal was signed. We have a new war now in Yemen with Houthi rebels firing missiles not only at their Yemeni, at the Yemeni forces, but into Riyadh. Mm. We have Hezbollah much more active. We have Hamas much more active. I mean, this, this notion that the only other option is war is exactly, you know, as we say in Yiddish, it's exactly upside down. The fact is, is that leaving the Iran deal is our best chance for peace. And this argument that the Europeans are making and others are making that everyone is more secure with the Iran deal, this isn't the greatest thing, but it, 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 it makes it it's better than the worst option. Well, what do you tell the 500,000 dead people and their families in Syria? Is it better off with, without, with Iran emboldened? It's, it's really quite frustrating, and it reminds me of a used car dealer saying, you know, if you don't buy my car, you know, the other guy's car is going to kill you. You know, once you hear that, you know, go to another lot. And, and we really need to have done that a long time ago. Jake Novak is with us. Another thing that came up was uh, when, when the speculation arose, you know, what Prime Minister Netanyahu might be speaking about yesterday, because, you know, his word leaked out that this major presentation was coming up. So most thought he was going to send a message to the world about what happened uh, over the weekend, meaning yeah. that the uh, 18 Iranians who were killed in Syria were the responsibility of Israel. And some conjecture that the reason, you know, Israel would never admit to any of this, of course, but in this case, there would be an exception because the perception is President Trump wants to leave the Middle East, or at least, uh, you know, let go of some of the reins there in the Middle East, as far as the United States uh, policing the area is concerned. And Netanyahu would have a desire to remind the world, both the Israeli people and the enemy, that they are there if policing is necessary. Now, obviously, that didn't happen yesterday because the focus was on Iran. But do you get or do you agree that he's going to have to be a little bit more forceful in the press to get that message across to other countries in the Middle East? Well, there's only one country that needs to be told about this, and that's Russia. The United States, for whatever President Trump wants to do, cannot really leave Syria until Russia leaves, too. Russia has made Syria much, much worse than it had to be, and much, much worse for Russia. You know, Russia, in, in the interim, since 2015, has started to get, make more and more deals with Saudi Arabia, both economically and militarily. And for them to stay in Syria now is really, they can no longer dance at all the weddings anymore. And it really needs to be impressed upon them, the Israelis need to impress upon them that they don't really care if the, if the Russians are supporting certain assets in Syria, the Israelis will destroy them. And I think that's the real message that needs to be sent. The United States, if the United States leaves Syria before Russia de-escalates in some way, that'll be a mistake, because the Russians are there in the first place because the Iran deal signaled to them that the United States wasn't interested, didn't really care what was happening in Syria, and you know mm. they were right. Mm. We now know, we have the evidence now that the Obama administration deliberately did not enforce the red line, deliberately did not pressure Iran and Assad on the civil war there, because they didn't want to mess up their precious... Iran deal. It's like a prosecutor, you know, who doesn't prosecute informants because they think they're going to get a bigger fish, and it turns out the informant was the biggest fish of them all. <laughs> I mean, this is, by the way, that's exactly what happened in the Whitey Bulger case for your listeners in the Boston, in the Boston area. Let them Google it, huh? Yeah, yeah, you can Google it. And of course, the person who did that was Robert Mueller, but that's getting off the topic. But the point is, the, the, the message Israel needs to send is to Russia. And we know that Netanyahu and Putin have been in close contact for many years now over the Syria situation because nobody wanted Israel and Russia to accidentally or something bad to happen, you know, engage each other in some kind of military issue. And now I think it's been very, very clear in the last few weeks that that, that, that now is impossible. It's impossible now for Israel to avoid and Russia to avoid each other if the Russians are going to continue to back Assad and, to be, and, and now intertwine themselves with Iranian bases that have been set up in that area. It was so, one thing just to do it with Assad's forces. I think the Israelis could hold off because Assad was a constant. 
he and his father have been in charge of Syria since forever. But now that the Iranians have bases there and the Russians are either de facto protecting them or intertwined with them somehow, there is no way Israel can avoid so, some kind of conflict. So what do you think the, the, the behind-the-scenes reaction is in the Kremlin when Israel embarks on an operation in Syria like they did over the weekend? What, what, what is Putin feeling, or is he essentially just sitting by and, you know, and, and really couldn't care less if Israel acts in this manner? No, I think that there is an internal conflict within the Kremlin, Kremlin right now. There, there are definitely camps within the Kremlin who want a who want a de-escalation in Syria and some other places, potentially Libya as well. Uh, these are the people who remember the Afghan war and what it did to the Soviet regime. The Afghan war and the failure there, as much as anything else, uh, led to the downfall of the Soviet Union. There had the Soviets had been really, really good during the Cold War about not getting involved in armed conflict. You know, they, they let us do that in the Vietnam right. War, before that in the Korean War. They were really good at that. And then once they had a war where, where Russian boys were coming home in, in, in coffins, that really turned the tide. Now, there's only been a few hundred Russian casualties in Syria so far, right. and they're, of course they're not saying they're official casualties. They're saying these are kind of like soldiers of fortune who just happen to be Russian. No one really believes that. But even that small number of casualties has been reacted to pretty strongly by the Russian public. There have been protests. There have been people getting upset. And in Putin's Russia, that's a big deal. That's almost as big a deal as a, as a protest in Soviet Russia. Not quite, but it's, it's still pretty, uh, a repressed society. Wow, it sounds like if you're in Russia, you're not sure if you should root for Israel to do these things or not. You know, like <laughs> yeah, well, I think, I think the Russians have overplayed their hand. I can under, with the vacuum that the Obama administration created in the Middle East made it attractive for Putin to try to dance at all the weddings in the Middle East to get involved with the Sunnis, to get involved with the Shia, do everything that you can make, make as many deals as possible, and maybe be some kind of patron of all the different warring powers in the Middle East. But now that the United States is more involved now, and they're moving away from the Obama disengagement policy completely and trying to enforce some kind of rule of law and decency, the Russians need to make a choice. And I think from, if you take a look at a balance sheet, just the economic balance sheet, forget about the military stuff, the deals that Russia has made in oil production with Saudi Arabia are much more valuable than anything they can get out of the Iranian Shia uh, side. So I think to answer your question, I think there is an, probably an internal conflict within the Kremlin, maybe not a large number of people, but there certainly is a group within the Kremlin that's arguing for, hey, we, we, we won this. We, we got involved in this vacuum that Obama created. We've made new friendships with Saudi Arabia and some other countries that are a little bit more solid. We can keep all that and avoid this, this silly sponsorship of Iran and, and their War, they are really passionate for war in Iran. There's no denying it. And to, to make this argument that these right. Israelis and the Americans who want war, the ones who are against the deal, is exactly the opposite of this. And by extension, they may then be saying, and if there is trouble uh, you know, on, on the uh, horizon, Israel's going to take care of it. That's right. I mean, but no one, I mean, that's, that's the thing that I think the, no, one, no one in Russia or anywhere else believes that the Israelis are just going to sit by. Right. They don't think they're going to do the Obama thing. So really, if you're going to make the argument, it's like, listen, <laughs> the Iranians and the other Muslim countries... You know, not can we know the history. You stand up to them, and right. nine times out of ten, they just back down without firing a shot. Right. Why would you want to put that up against the Israeli guaranteed retaliation, the going to protect themselves policy, against a pretty pr proven track record on the other side of backing down when they're challenged? It's when they're not challenged. It's when they're allowed to enter into silly deals like this that they start to get more warlike. And, and by this, I mean Muslim countries, and in particular Iran and specifically here, that that's when they start getting adventuresome. 
And I think that it's, it's, no, it's no argument. It really isn't. It's a silly, silly argument to say that war is the only other option. And for Russia, this is a bad choice to continue what they're doing. By the way, Jake Novak's with us. By the way, I assume you have already read as much as available about the uh, covert operation to get all this stuff out of Iran. How impressed are you by the Israelis? Well, you know, for those of us who've been following this very carefully over the years, it is very impressive. You know, there's, there's an Iranian exile community in Israel. Uh, now, most of those Israeli, Iranian exiles, Persian Jews, just live normal lives, and they're not part of any kind of uh, intelligence establishment. But we do know unofficially that for many years there has been a small community of Persian Jews living in Israel who have been kept together by design by the Mossad and the Israeli uh, Defense Forces, living together and have, kept, and have been kept apprised of certain cultural changes in Iran, speech pattern changes in Iran, so that they can basically be living in a virtual little Iran within Israel, so they can continue to be, pass themselves off as current Iranian citizens, if need be. Get my drift? Wow. So we know that this is, exists. We don't, obviously, I, I couldn't tell you the address. Uh, you know, not that I know it. Even if I did, I wouldn't be able to tell you. <laughs> but I, we know that this exists. We know that this has been a, a procedure that the Mossad has used and that the, uh, and other Israeli intelligence uh, services have used to make sure that they're current. Now, it's difficult because they're, you know, they're not in Iran, but they continue to smuggle out and tap into as many developments, both culturally and militarily and politically in Iran, as possible, so that that emigrate community within Israel that they've cultivated can be on t- as on top of things as possible now. But the only way to, to really use them effectively, it would require you to figure out a way to get, let them travel in and out of Iran, no? Uh, that's obviously the biggest use, in it, and then when you do that, you've kind of expended it. But so the question is, are they able to do it remotely? Are they able to, via the internet or by cell phone right. or other kinds of contacts right. pass themselves off in a certain way? Right. In other words, they may be able to get photographs of every single document that we saw yesterday without ever walking into the country. Yeah, I mean, you right. know, and, and again, I mean, just to emphasize how powerful this. I mean, for those of us who lived in different parts of the country. You know, I, I grew up in the South, and I can tell the difference between a Virginia accent and a North Carolina accent. Right. Uh, you can't do that in Brooklyn. But if I'm Brooklyn, you might you, you, people in Brooklyn know the difference between someone who, who grew up in Midwood and someone who grew up in Mill Basin. Right. I mean, it's, it's, that's but, how it goes. Right. So it's 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 a touchy thing, but it's but it's a very valuable asset that the Israeli intelligence community has used. Very interesting, boy. Oh boy, I'll tell you, those Israelis are impressive, huh? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, until they're not, you know, it's 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 one of those things that that's one of the you have to have the humility. It's always the humility with Israel, and uh, the, they they had a great example of of losing their humility between 1967 and 1973, right. and uh, I, I, you would hope that they would never forget that lesson. All right. My father used to say that uh, when they when Israel was attacked on Yom Kippur, he said this was in the planning for six years. Yeah, and, that's right. It absolutely was. And unfortunately, it was under the radar because of the way you just described it. So I guess, I guess you're as good as your latest operation, huh? <laughs> you are. And, as long as, and, and I think that, that you know, that's part of what we talk about a lot also. It's like you know, Israel has to be so vigilant and so about not getting you know, to fool themselves about their intelligence abilities, that a lot of other things go by the wayside, including, you know, that, that epic long argument we have in our community about Hasbara. You know, why isn't Israel better at PR, blah, blah, blah. The answer is, first of all, it's our job. It's not Israel's job to do the PR. And the second answer is they have other important things to do. It's very hard. You know, there are a lot of Arab countries that have no economy and no decent way of life, but they're great at PR. They're right. great at lying and they're great at spinning. I would rather have it the other way. I'd rather have a great country, one that's thriving, one that has nice food, one that has nice resorts, one that's doing good things for the world and technology, than one that knows how to lie. By the way, speaking of lying, Twitter exploded yesterday. Netanyahu was the target of a lot of really mean stuff going on yesterday. Yeah, and again, that, that is a tell. 
just like, again, just like the, the pressuring used car salesman, when you make an argument, now what is Netanyahu saying? Is he saying everyone let's get together and bomb Iran? No, the argument of, these, of the groups against the deal say, let's bring back the sanctions. Right. Remember, I remember the old days. I'm old enough to remember when people who wanted sanctions were the, peace, were the peaceniks. Remember? Right. Right. Hey, we want more sanctions on Iraq. Let's not bomb Saddam, you know, Saddam Hussein. So suddenly now, somebody who wants more sanctions is being characterized as a warmonger, being characterized as, oh, giving us only one more option has to bomb Iran. I mean, that's exactly not what he's saying. But we're, again, the Iran deal has enabled Iran to start many more wars in the Middle East and much more killing. And, fi- and, fi- and, and finance a lot more terror. That's right. Let's go back to the sanctions. Let's cut off whatever more financial uh, aid they're getting in one way or the other or economic uh, engagement that we have that anyone has with them and see what happens. All because right. Right now, it's death. All right. Uh, Novak, now we need a prediction now. <laughs> you, you, you think he'll, uh, you think he'll uh, wash away the deal on the 12th of May or not? Well, I think yesterday absolutely put me in the camp of yes. I wow. think he will try to wash away the deal. The question is, how will he try to wash away the deal? Will he come out to the, to the world and say, let's impose some new sanctions and, and, and give Iran uh, a certain a certain amount of time to to prove that they've reversed some of the stuff, and then we can go back and we will quickly uh, lift the sanctions again. I think that's most the most likely thing. But I think also now there's a good chance he's just going to say, "Look, we're going to reimpose the sanctions. If we're the only country that imposes them and others don't, that's fine. The American economy does not need Iran to 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 thrive in any way whatsoever." And of course, economics plays a big role in this. You know, nothing worth, the United States now is the biggest producer of crude oil. That's mm-hmm. right. You heard me. We are producing more crude oil than anybody, including Saudi Arabia now. And the idea that Iran is needed or the oil price is going to hurt this country, oil prices in this country have less of a negative effect than any time in my lifetime. So I, I think that the, the argument for leaving the deal as it is now and just imposing these sanctions, not starting a war, don't let anyone tell you that leaving the deal means war. That is such a falsehood. But leaving the deal and imposing these sanctions, I just don't see the negatives. Why am I still paying three twenty a gallon at the, tank, at the uh, gas tank? up oh my goodness uh you know <laughs> you know most of long island is still well under three dollars it's about 280 or something uh look it's going up because demand is higher and opec the opec nations have done a better than expected job of reducing supply you know every opec always talks about how they're going to reduce supply and then six of the of the opec nations cheat and produce more they did, again this goes back to the deal with russia russia is russia complied with opec and got in line a couple of years ago a year or so ago in this reduction of supply so they've reduced supply. The question now is, what will the United States do in refining capacity to, if, if the price gets over $3? We are at a situation in this country where anything under $3.50 is still gas on sale. Because right. those of us who remember $4.15 or whatever it was, right. I think anything under three fifty is considered to be not a hardship for most of the United States. So, but if we do get over 350, then I think you're going to see President Trump try to do something about refining. Uh, maybe get a new refinery opened, or find a new way to to uh, increase the number of, of of refined gasoline that gets to gets into our cars. All right. So, uh, me being dissatisfied at anything over 299, I have a, I have a long way to go. Huh? Yeah, yeah, another 50 cents. And uh, you know, listen, there's, there's, this is this is something the country has weathered before. I, I do think it's a bigger economic indicator than than econ- economists give it credit for. I, I am concerned about rising gas prices, but again, I think because we had so many years at 350 and higher, as long as we stay below there, I don't think it's going to be a massive negative impact. It, it will it will slow the growth in other areas, but it won't kill it. Jake Novak, he's amazing. Uh, with us every Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern time on what we call Novak Now. Everyone should check out the show and, of course, the archives at NahumSiegel.com. On Twitter, how do we find you, sir? 
at jakejakeny, at jakejakeny. Thank you, Jake. Uh, great analysis today. Much appreciated. Thank you. Jake Novak with us. Tuesday morning broadcast. Plenty more coming up at JM in the AM. J.M. and the A.M. with Ari Goldwagon Company. 8.31 in the morning on this Tuesday, day 31 in the counting of the Omer. If you got the count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Well, it's no secret that uh, I believe Rabbi Shlomo Einhorn, 
who is a uh, rabbi and principal and, uh, and uh, head of school and uh, rabbinic leader out in California, uh, is one of the uh, superstar rabbis in this country, as far as I'm concerned. I've said it many, many times. And it was a tremendous loss for the East Coast when he went out to the West Coast, but the West Coast doesn't care. They have him. <laughs> and tomorrow night, tomorrow night, Rabbi Shlomo Einhorn begins, excuse me, yeah, tomorrow night, tomorrow night, Pacific time, at 11 p.m. Pacific time, Rabbi Shlomo Einhorn begins a 19-hour shear, a 19-hour shear. You could get information by going to the longest shear. Dot com. Rabbi Shlomo Einhorn, welcome back to JM in the AM. Hi, thank you. Thank you. I the, appreciate it. The West Coast doesn't care that we miss you, right? <laughs> Look, this is online, so we're doing this internationally, so everybody everybody can enjoy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You're so diplomatic, it's amazing. Well, Rabbi Einhorn, yeah. Rabbi Einhorn, you know what everyone's question is when they hear that you're going to be doing a 19 hour sheer a consecutive 19 hours the big question that everybody has is why why would you be doing a 19 consecutive hour sheer my wife and i were in a car once at a simcha we were trying to go into the simcha somebody had us on the phone um just talking schmoozing they didn't stop they didn't take a breath they just kept going and i, I remember at the end of it and it was going on and on we couldn't even valet the car we turned to each other and i said to my wife oh my gosh this person's going for the record, and that's when the idea hit us. What if we set the record in Torah, just going the longest possible nonstop, you know, against time, and just go as much as possible, and at the same time use it to solve uh, the tuition crisis by raising money for education? So that was it. Was it was a dual idea? Are you assuming that last year's eighteen-hour shear is in fact the world record for a shear? Um, it is the world. I mean, as best as I could tell, uh, <laughs> we did it at the end of 2015, the 18 hour. Oh, that's what and, it was. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. It feels like yesterday, right? Yeah. But the best as I could tell, as best as I could tell, that is the longest. Someone showed me a writing, a Lubavitch writing somewhere uh, about the Rebbe who kept learning for 18 hours, uh, telling over Torah. But um, I don't know if it was documented. And there's a guy in India, according to Guinness World Records, a guy in India, college professor. Um, who kept going, but he took sleep intervals uh, every few hours, which we're not going to do. Oh, yeah. So they, as far they, as I know. Like Guinness gives you, like, you know, six minutes per hour done or something. I know that. I know about that whole thing. Exactly. When yes. someone at our radio station did the world's longest radio show, they were given, like, you know, a certain number of, of breaks that you wouldn't expect if someone's exactly. actually trying to do straight hours. Now, the 19 hours, and again, it begins 11 p.m. Pacific time for our listeners on the East Coast. It'll begin very early Thursday morning, Lagba Omer morning at uh, at 2 a.m. Um, for those of you who, for for those of us who are um, uh, you know going to tune in for a majority of the hours, are these hours related? If someone is listening to hour three, is it a is is it a similar topic to what's going to be going on in hours nine and ten? No, I try to change every hour with no connection between one to the other, just so anybody could pop in whenever they want. It's live, they could walk in in Los Angeles, or they could tune in at any time and feel comfortable. I have uh, a whole sheer on the NRA and gun control. I have a sheer on um, the halakhic ethics of haunted houses, demons, and goblins. Um, you know, I, I just try to keep changing the style. Um, I have uh, more standard stuff on 16 new gems on Perkei 
So really every hour is contained unit. Everybody asks me what's going to happen with davening. With davening, I'm mic during davening so that in the parts of tefillah where I'm allowed to talk, I'm going to give parish a tefillah wow. um, at that time. Yeah, so that's, that's, uh, we're, we're on nonstop. And, uh, yeah, each topic is a contained and unit. And I'm trying to bring in special guests just to um, bounce information off. For example, I have a doctor walking in during my vaccination share just to talk to him about the ins and outs of vaccination before we go through the halachas uh, of that share. You may so we're really trying to make this. You may need him to give What's you. That? You may need him to give you a steroid shot during this year. At that point, <laughs> well, someone told me they're bringing over a uh, they're bringing over IV infusion for me in the middle just to wake me up. Someone told me to really bring it in. Rabbi, you might see it at some point. <laughs> Rabbi Shlomo Einhorn is with us from California. The longest year begins tomorrow night, nineteen straight hours. Now, tell us about the Stucca aspect of this. Is there actually a matching campaign going on while this year is happening? Yes, we teamed up with Charity.com um, to do a matching campaign and uh, to push ourselves. I mean, the main idea here is not shtick. The main idea is not uh, just about the Torah we're learning, but the idea is to use the Torah we're learning to raise money and to create a matching campaign. And people have been giving from internationally. And what we're doing this time around is we're pairing it with over 30 schools um, right. around the country, internationally. Um, we have schools in Australia who are going to be watching at 2 in the morning. Uh, we have schools, all the schools in Los Angeles will be uh, bussing in to be there live, but schools around the country will be joining us and, and playing a role. And um, and we're going to be, you know, we last year we said, when we did this in 2015, we sent out checks to a whole bunch of yeshivas. Um, and uh, we want to make this, uh, you just try to think of creative and fun ways and meaningful ways, impactful ways um, to help people who can't afford uh, yeshiva tuition. Unbelievable. It's charity.com. Charity, folks, is with a D. Charity.com slash the longest year. Charity.com slash the longest year. Yes. How many people do you think will be with you live? How many people will be in the room with you? I'm actually, uh, you know, feel so appreciative. People already uh, texted me and called me and said they're flying in. What? Um, and they'll be there. The people are flying in and coming in. They want to just be part of this event. It is a lot of energy in the room, even at the graveyard shift, Shiram. People are coming in. Well, a couple guys brought their sleeping bags last time just to sit there the whole night, relax, listen to Shiram. And, I mean, different hours are going to have different amount of crowd, you know, the sizes. At the end, we're predicting by the end of last year, around 700 to 800 wow. um, in the room, which is what our you know, capacity. And um, and it, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. People just, you pop in, you're on a lunch break from work. You pop in to see what's going on. Someone filmed themselves watching it while on the freeway, which I don't recommend, <laughs> uh, on their phone. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, will, I, will, I will recommend anybody just send in any wacky pictures of how they're watching this year. Unbelievable. Um, I think it would be a lot of fun. The, oh, yeah, so, yeah. so to everybody around the world, it will be available live on the web. Live on the web, www.thelongestshiur.com, wow. which links straight to the uh, website and then takes us right to that live feed. And uh, I'm taking also this year, an added component is you could email in questions. Uh, you could email into questions at thelongestshiur.com. And I'll take questions. Midway through, we'll stop and take a question from here, a question from there, whatever by, it is. By the way, why Log Bomer? Why didn't you do it last week? Like, why why did you choose Log Bomer? Uh, I wanted a, a good, you know, a good memorable date for people. Uh, you know, I could always pick a random date, but right. a good memorable date is Log Bomer. And I feel like a lot of these shivas are trying to figure out what we could do differently on Log Bomer. Right. You know, the old. You know, the Rebbe breaks out his sneakers so they can play baseball in the park. Right. Um, you know, how long is that? An hour and a half? I mean, that's, you know, so this gives them something different to do uh, on Log Bomer.
a field trip to see Rabbi Einhorn suffer through 19 hours. And, I'm, of course, I'm joking when I say suffer. <laughs> but, but Rabbi Einhorn, Rabbi Einhorn, you and I know what you're going to be saying to yourself during hour number 19. You know what you're going to be saying to yourself. Why didn't I keep it at 18 hours? <laughs> Right. No one knew the difference. Who was counting anyway? <laughs> no, but it really is such a great it's such a great support team. Everybody's splitting up time. You know, my wife's covering these hours. My son's going to be covering these. Family's covering. Everyone's in charge of making sure that we get till the end. We make it to the end zone. Well, I'm sure it some really pe- I'm sure some people are curious. I mean, you know, there must be a period of time during the 19 or 18 as you did last time that is really challenging physically. Is, is there a time when the, when the five-hour energies are, are popped out and, and popped into you? <laughs> yeah, I have five-hour energy drinks. You see, I, I use Diet Pepsi as my five-hour energy drink. I have a sister-in-law, you know, uh, who is a nutritionist. Right. I remember last year I had the Diet Pepsi, a huge Diet Pepsi big gulp in front of me. She's watching this from her home on, on the internet. Uh-oh. She runs over, in her, runs over in her car, and all of a sudden I see a hand reaching in, grabbing my Diet Pepsi Big Gulp, and swaps it out for some chia seed stuff in the middle of my chair. I don't know what it is. What just happened to my drink? So that was my hardest hour. That, 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 was, the, that was the worst part of the entire endeavor. <laughs> no, last, last time I smashed my glasses in the middle. Oh, my gosh. You, you lose. You lose focus, literally, and I put down these huge swarm. I had a tour silk on and I got put it down all my glasses. So I see our executive director, Lev Stark, reach in and with tape pulls my glasses out and starts taping it together. Oh. So I look like the you know the old basketball player Kurt Rambis. Right. I'm, I'm all taped up. The whole thing was a mess. Rabbi Einhorn, you've learned a lot of lessons. You need backup glasses. You need you need to line up people to make sure you stay awake. I mean, with experience in this, you you finally develop a real system where everything's in place to help you move along. Oh, I have it all figured out now. What I didn't realize last time was I prepared Shirim to last an hour each year. Right. But when, when the cameras are on you, it doesn't allow for people to interact live right. with you. So you finish your Shirim 40 minutes in, 35 minutes. I'm sitting there, my first Shirim, like, why am I done so quickly 35 minutes in? And you're scrambling. You have to fill that time with new content, other material. Right. So this time around, I prepared for much longer um, so that I, you know, I'm not scrambling. And uh, Mirza Shem, it should go well. And of course, as well. and of course, as you know, you know what we're mo- what all of us listening are most concerned about is, you know, when do you eat? Are you able to grab a bite or two during during the night or not? Yeah, you know what? We were figuring out what what would be the best food. What is something that can go quickly that doesn't make a scene on camera that's not going to spill on the shirt, not going to spill on the side. I think the consensus was beef jerky. I think we've decided on Ninu Vagumru that it's going to be beef jerky. That's what's going to keep you going, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the whole chachma here. I spoke to a uh, you know an ornithologist about uh, what's best for my throat. Right. It's got to be as soon as I feel my voice going, I got to have something sour. Which triggers the moisture and then the water. There's there's so much cheshbining out here um, before you even start the share. But Mr. Uh, it'll be good. Well, in my line of work, I've heard all of those recommendations. Some would say literally eat potato chips. Make sure the oil gets onto your throat as soon as possible, and and you know start soothing it if you get into a situation like that. But I have heard every theory you can imagine. Wow. When it comes to that, that's so good. that's right. I, we should be consulting. I should take your notes on this one. And I'll tell you. And I'll tell you something. If, if if God forbid that starts happening in hour number two or three, you are going to be in a panic situation. My gosh, that's going to be rough. Uh, but, 
but it'll make for good. It'll make for good viewing. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> can you can you imagine hour number nineteen with no voice crawling to the finish line? Oh, you know, <laughs> you know it happens to be for a Shabbos drusha. I was giving a drusha on Shabbos. It was a bar mitzvah, I think, even, and and uh, you know the voice started going, and you're scrambling mid drusha, and you're you're up there, you're stranded. Wow. You know, so once you're on, you're on. So you got to make sure you you know you really have it have a hold on this. You literally have to train for the longest year, huh? Unbelievable. Yeah. Right. Everybody out that there, you right. are, as everyone knows, Rabbi Einhorn is one of our favorites. He is doing this uh, amazing and incredible uh, uh, feat of 19 straight hours. It's the longest year, as we, as far as we know, that's ever uh, been attempted and that will be delivered. 19 straight hours. Go to charity.com slash the longest year. Charity, C-H-A-R-I-D-Y dot com slash the longest year. Because I'll watch the entire thing starting for us. They- Go ahead. Yeah, they can go directly. They can go directly to thelongestyear.com, which will link them right away to the charity website. That's the shorter, a shorter, more direct route to get there. All right, the long, uh, thelongestyear.com. Thelongestyear.com. For those of us on the East Coast, this is going to begin at two a.m. Wednesday morning for by Einhorn and everybody in California. He starts tomorrow night, Lagba Omer at eleven p.m. Pacific time. Nineteen. I'm sorry. My final message. My final message for those on the East Coast is going to go live. I think at eight. Uh, 35 p.m. till 9 p.m. That'll be my final my final speech. We'll be right there. Tune in there so you can watch and see me crumble. Oh, that's uh, that's in the last. Uh, that's literally prime time for us. Yeah, Thursday night. Yeah, Thursday night. That's when I start. I stopped feeling my hands um, in the 15th <laughs> hour, if I remember last time. And by the way, am I yeah. am I? And I, I again thought it was last year. You tell us that it was uh, 2015. Am I right that the last time you did this? Uh, after that last message, everybody broke into song and dance, and and you, who must have been completely exhausted, were actually participating in a big celebration. Well, the great thing about it was last time we all the kids from the school from the yeshivas we had four hundred and fifty kids all wearing. They were surprised me. They were wearing shirts that said eighteen on it, wow. and they joined me in the dancing in the last hour. This time around, we said let's really get the kids involved. We have all the kids learning nineteen books of Nach. Uh, the 19 books of Nach, and uh, they're all the younger kids are all passing around trading cards that we designed with 19 heroes from Nach. So they really feel like they've played a role in making a seum together, um, and the celebration is going to be huge, Mir Hashem. And uh, this is about Lahag Dil I mean, that's what Simcha wrote a song special for that uh, in our 2015 um, uh, outing on this. And he wrote a subsequent song called Change the World um, in honor of what we did that day. So, you know, we really are thankful for the celebration that happened because of it. Rabbi Einhorn, you're unbelievable. And, and I would hope, and I, knowing you, I would think that any educator out there that would like to see those trading cards or get any of these ideas from you, you'd be more than happy to share with them around the country any of these concepts. We would, we would love it. With, like with all the stuff we do, we, we love sharing resources, and uh, it's not a problem. Anyone can reach out to me. And we'll make sure to get them. I am so glad you joined us this morning. I really appreciate it. Wishing you Hatzlacharaba. This is going to be amazing. And look, in 2018, you have found the perfect way. Lahagdil Torah, Ulahadira. And believe me, people like myself and so many thousands of others really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. We really appreciate it. We will. We'll see you live, God willing. We certainly will. We're gonna we're gonna be watching you go through the entire night. It's gonna be very interesting, Rabbi. <laughs> <laughs> you watch the chia seeds. Watch out for the chia seeds, Malcolm. My own advice. <laughs> then, then, then we'll know your sister in law was paying attention. That's as simple as that. <laughs> Rabbi Shlomo Einhorn, he's amazing. Go to thelongestshear.com. dot com. The longest year, S H I U R. 
Com. It starts tomorrow night. It's going to be very, very exciting. And you heard in this conversation so many components to making it an amazing and incredible concept. Uh, enjoy. Enjoy out there. And educators, I'm telling you, Rabbi Einhorn means it when he says he is more than willing to share anything that he does on the West Coast with anybody around the world. And as you heard, his concepts just for this are amazing, but his concepts are amazing all year round. So take advantage. He is one of the greatest resources we have out there. Trust me. Uh, I want to take this opportunity to wish a very, very happy, happy birthday, number six, to A.B. Schreiber of Bayswater. Um, Bubby and Zadie say, it is impossible you're so grown up already. Seems like only yesterday you are you are our A.B. baby, and now you're A.B. big boy tzadikal. We're so proud of you and love you tons. And that's, of course, Bubby and Zadie, uh, Florida. We know them as Cena and Ira here at the JM in the AM. Uh, coming up right after uh, JM in the AM, JM Rewind, my conversation with Rabbi Dr. Ari Berman, the president of Yeshiva University. Excuse me, the president of Yeshiva University. You will hear that conversation on JM Rewind at 9 a.m. Album of the week is AKA Pella, volume number three. Tuesday Live Lunch will be hosted by Avrami, I believe, in for ZK today. And that's all coming up on a Tuesday schedule. Reminder that this coming Monday, this coming Monday, a very, very exciting day here at the Nahum Siegel Network. We always have incredible programming and diverse programming on Monday. Uh, but this coming Monday, starting at 11.30 a.m., the Nahum Siegel Network and the American Friends of Barilan University present a live broadcast event with Malcolm Honline as Malcolm will receive the 2018 Honorary Doctoral in Barilan University in Israel. He'll speak. We'll have it live for you on the network beginning at 11.30 a.m., and then we'll have a chance to feature an assortment of great professors and researchers from Bar-Ilan who are going to be with me between 11.30 and 2 o'clock Eastern time, all live from Israel, all this coming Monday, yet another reason to keep it at the Nahum Siegel Network all day long. Also want to take this opportunity and thank all of our sponsors for our visit to Wesley Kosher. A week from tomorrow, Pre-Shvuis, We'll be at Wesley Kosher on the 9th of May for an amazing live lunch up in Muncie, New York. And a special thank you to One Tabletop, to Lilac and Cream, and to Norman's Yogurt, all of whom are sponsoring our amazing pre visit to um, a Wesley Kosher up in Muncie, and we are very much looking forward to it. More coming up on a Tuesday morning edition of JM in the AM. Ivrea no 
J.M. in the A.M. Im Lovon. That was uh, A.K. Pella. Uh, wrapping things up here on a uh, Tuesday morning. By the way, someone had mentioned on the app that they were looking for um, Dean Mike Strauss's uh, phone number regarding the EMBA program up at YU that we spoke about earlier. It's a five one six three five nine nine zero five nine. Again, that's five one six three five nine. Nine zero five nine, and I thank Dean Michael Strauss. I want to thank Rabbi Shlomo Einhorn. Great conversation about the longest year. Big thank you to Jake Novak, the NSN's own Jake Novak. Great analysis uh, post BB's presentation yesterday. We live in an amazing world, don't we? A crazy world in some ways, that's for sure. Big shout out to our friends at Uden's Appliances. If you're looking for a, uh, I don't know, brand new dishwasher, brand new. Uh, Stove, oven, grill, fridge. Uh, Uden's Appliances is the kosher appliance specialist featuring Wolf and Sub-Zero appliances. Wolf and Sub-Zero are Star K certified. Information, go to Uden's Appliances on the web and check them out. Let them know you heard about it here at JM in the AM. JCT Dinner, Jerusalem College of Technology Dinner this Sunday with guest speaker Mayim Bialik. Information, go to their website, friendsofjct.org. And we look forward to seeing you at Lincoln Square Synagogue this coming Sunday night. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com. On the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Reminder, my conversation with our Dr. Ari Berman is coming up next on JM Rewind. The president of Yeshiva University visited JM and AM last week. That conversation kicks off JM Rewind next here at the Nahum Siegel Network. I thank you for tuning in tomorrow. Plenty more. Our final day of our Sphere format because Thursday is our big Lagba Omer music special. Make sure to be tuned in both days, of course. Have a fabulous Tuesday. Till tomorrow, Nahum Siegel reminding you. Remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.